This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. My name is Grace Johnson, the assistant editor of the Peninsula Pulse. And today I am joined by author Andrew Graff, whose work Raft of Stars is the featured read for the Door County Reads this year. Welcome. Hi, Grace. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. So people may be a little familiar with you already. As I said, your book is the featured read this year, and everyone's kind of had their hands on it since November. And then we also did a little intro interview in the paper back in November as well. But as we are approaching the kickoff event, we wanted to touch base again and introduce you to anyone who hasn't yet had that opportunity. So we're just going to start off with um, basic introductions. So if you want to introduce yourself, talk a little bit about you and um, what you do, let people know who you are. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. And let me begin by just expressing how incredible it is that this program's happening and mm-hmm. that I'm getting invited to Door County at all. This is absolutely wonderful. And I'm, I'm thankful for everyone who's reading the book. I grew up in Niagara, Wisconsin up near the northern border. And after high school, we lived on a farm of of 80 acres on the end of a dead-end road. Uh, After high school, I I went into the United States Air Force as an aircraft mechanic and then used my GI Bill to to do college. I did my undergraduate degree at Lawrence University in Appleton. I'm also a Lawrence alum. (laughs) Right on, indeed. And then maybe we can add that Viking Room song later. And then there was the, uh, uh, I did grad school in Iowa and began a series of teaching posts. And my family and I now live in the Dayton, Ohio area. And I, I teach in the English department and creative writing program at Wittenberg University in Springfield, Ohio. Nice. So we are here to talk about your book. I'm pretty sure most people that are listening to this will have read it and they should know what it's about. But for anyone that might not know, can you give a brief rundown of what Raft of Stars is all about? Yeah. So Raft of Stars is an outdoor adventure story, and it focuses on the lives of two 10-year-old boys who believe they've committed a crime and are forced to flee downriver. They build a raft in the forest. Uh, very, very Huck Finn style. Mm-hmm. And they take off into the woods. And the, the story is about their journey and the journeys of the adults who pursue them. So there's three different points of view in the story. One is Fish's point of view, and he's one of the boys. And then we also get the point of view of, of Miranda. Miranda and Tiffany were one pack of characters pursuing those boys into the forest. Miranda's the mother. Tiffany is the local purple-haired gas station attendant. And then the third cast of characters pursuing these boys downriver consists of one of the boys' grandfathers, Teddy, who's very woods-wise, and Sheriff Cal, who's a transplant from Houston, and he's he's not thriving out in the forests of, of northern Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yes, I finished up the book earlier in the month, and it really reminded me of Well, and they actually did a showing as part of the programming for this, but the movie Stand By Me, which many people, well, hopefully many people have seen this. It's a great movie, but, you know, very similar, you know, you kind of have this 
group of boys that are going on this, you know, quest to find this body. And, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into that. But we're going to kind of get into your book, your writing. And you had mentioned that you, for your grad, you went to the Iowa Writers Workshop, correct? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And you had originally, we had talked about this last time, but you had started off with kind of a different manuscript that you were working towards before you ended up writing Raft of Stars. So can you kind of talk about how you got to writing this book? Yeah, absolutely. So I started at Lawrence University taking writing seriously. My mentor and professor David McGlynn you know, got me started in some creative writing courses. And I was working on a, a novel manuscript as an undergrad that I eventually took to grad school and I worked on it there. And that manuscript was loosely based on my time in uh, Afghanistan as an as a Air Force jet mechanic. I worked on that manuscript for about seven years and uh, I got an agent to, to represent it and worked on it with her. And she sent it off to New York City. And I was excited and thought, man, here I come, here I come world, you know, seven mm-hmm. years of work. But um, the feedback, <laughs> it was rejected. Mm-hmm. And, and the feedback was pretty unanimous. And everyone thought it was, uh, you know, there was some beautiful writing in it. And there were some human characters in it. But they said, this is a boring, this is a long, boring book. <laughs> So and you definitely don't I want cr- to hear that. Yeah. No, no. So no one wanted it. So it was in the sock drawer, and um, I cried in my pickup truck about it uh, on Highway 41, just north of Green Bay. And I didn't write for a while. You know, I was teaching at a technical college in Wisconsin at the time, and I just took a break from writing. My wife and I had our first child, and it wasn't until about the winter of 2015 when I was down in my basement and I was lighting a fire in the wood stove and I was using some of the some of the old notes I had from college. I'd stored all my notes in boxes, hoping that they would become some body of knowledge, you know, and I just, I ended up using them to start wood stove fires. But mm-hmm. one of the, one of the essays was an essay by Flannery O'Connor, The Nature and Aim of Fiction. And it's a really important essay to me. It was a really important essay to David McGlynn, my mentor at Lawrence University. So I sat down there that night and I read it. And in that essay, O'Connor puts forth these sort of pillars of storytelling. And I sat down and for the first time in a long time, I I tried one of those pillars out. I just tried to write a concrete space with two boys pushing their bikes down a gravel road. And there was the smell of clover in the ditches. And I wrote about a blackbird clinging to a, a cattail stalk. And all of that eventually, five years later, became the first chapter of of raft of stars. Mm -hmm. You have these kind of like, you know, breaks where, you know, you started to take yourself seriously as a writer, you had this manuscript, you kind of stopped and then you picked it back up. How do you, how do you keep motivated to come back to continue writing, especially, you know, when you receive feedback that you don't necessarily want to hear and on projects that you, you know, might've been working on for a very long time. What advice you know, what have you learned through that process, sticking to your writing? Yeah, yeah, man, what have I learned? I mean, well, one, like, feel free to cry in your truck, you know, <laughs> like, there's that, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, like, it's, it, it actually is uh, hard, and, and what in life isn't, like, anyone can relate to this, like, trying really hard and being disappointed, right? Mm-hmm. So, but, but then, you know, you sit down and, and you learn, and you take advice to heart, and you think, well, what of that can I use? And, Frankly, you know, the editor's thinking that 
that my first manuscript was sort of plotless and boring, they, they were right. <laughs> like I had written a long, boring book and I needed to sit down and think a lot about plot and storytelling and external pressures and drama and things like an inciting incident. I needed a good old fashioned inciting incident that could um, move the story forward. So, I mean, you mentioned the movie Stand By Me mm -hmm. and I love that comparison and I love that movie. And that one has a really loud inciting incident like, hey, here's this body. You can, mm -hmm. go, you, can go, you can go journey toward it, right? So, you know, when it became clear to me that I might like to try to start writing a book again with these two boys pushing their bikes down a gravel road, I learned something. You know, I, I, I studied plot and I, and I thought to myself, what is a good old fashioned, loud, inciting incident that can, that can carry these characters far into the woods? And, you know, I, I found that in the character of Bread's father. He, he's one of the two boys. And in the crime that they think they commit, which surrounds Bread's father, and uh, that felt that felt right to me. You know, mm -hmm. I was able to enter the long process again with some confidence. But beneath all that is just like sort of a, a natural interest, you know. Mm -hmm. And again, I think we can all relate to this. We sort of pick a path and pick something that interests us, and we try, and we're disappointed, and we get back on the horse. So for me, I'm just, I've continually been interested in, in storytelling and novels and how I can hopefully tell one better and better. And that process hasn't stopped. I'm in the middle of a, of a major rewrite right now. I'm working on a new manuscript for a, a second novel, which is under contract with Echo Books. And I'm so excited to share it when the nice. time comes. But I've, I worked on that for a few years. And after really solid, excellent editorial feedback, I'm, I'm in the middle of a massive rewrite. I had to I had to learn again. I had to break things down and go through. Well, kind of on that, we can. I'd like to jump into the book a little bit and kind of talk a little bit about craft and writing and things that we see in your book. Great. And first, you know, you had kind of mentioned that, you know, while, and this was something that I found, you know, when I was going into it, I kind of knew that there were different perspectives. And, but I really felt that the, you know, story hinged on these two boys. But, and while you do get their perspective, they're, are a lot more people and you get a lot more perspectives than I had anticipated and are, you know, really important to the story. So how do you handle kind of writing and exploring, you know, juggling multiple points of view? Yeah, no, yeah, that's a, that's a fun question. I, I was just talking in class the other day with this about a student or a, a student was asking about this and we were talking about how to juggle multiple points of view. One, in Raft of Stars, those multiple points of view sort of naturally emerged. Once I knew there were two boys on the run through a forest, I knew somewhere there was going to be a mother and like nothing, no no whitewater river or black bear or, or chilly evening was going to come between her and her son. Yeah. So she, she sort of showed up, as did her ally, Tiffany. And I also knew that somewhere there was going to be a police officer involved. So Sheriff, the young Sheriff Cal shows up, as does his, his ally, Teddy. Mm -hmm. So they showed up, and then I had to sort of spend time with them. And once, once I'm in those different points of view, I, I try to filter the story through that particular mind and that particular history. Mm -hmm. So I'm always interested in the ways in which our personal histories, where we're from, what we know, what we think we know, and even our present moods change the way we notice the concrete world around us 
and how we would describe it. Like like an, a 10-year-old boy and a 60-year-old man are going to come up with different metaphors for like a waterfall, right? Mm-hmm. And they're going to notice that or not based upon their present mood. So that's, you know, once those points of view emerged, I was really interested in getting into the minds of each of those, getting into the eyes of each of those characters. And, you know, sometimes I think a lot of that happens in revision. There were times in the story, and there may still be, but I've, I weeded a lot of them out, mm-hmm. where where these 10-year-old boys start thinking like a, you know, 38-year-old man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. I, and like there, one instance was after a big storm, uh, Fisher sits on, on a sandbar, Riverside, and thinks thoughts. And in the first draft, he sort of was giving this like grand paillon to the meaning of life and existence and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And a, a really wise reader, one of my agents just said, you know what, like, why not just have them think about the black bear again? I'm like, yeah, that's way better. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, always, always eliminate, limiting it to, to the mind of a character. Yeah. The majority of the, I mean, this whole book is, you know, takes place in nature in, you know, these treacherous woods and conditions. And you now we have these kids kind of putting themselves out in the elements. And we had talked about this a little bit when we chatted last in November, but I really wanted to touch on this again. I think especially it's, you know, up here in Door County, nature is a huge part of our culture and our life because, you know, we are surrounded by water and trees and protected lands and all this kind of stuff. So there was also this really great line kind of right near the beginning of the book that really I thought speaks to kind of the way that you have it all set up in the book, which is nature's a hell of a thing when it's hungry. And I really loved that line. So can we talk a little bit about the role of nature and importance of nature in your book and using the nature as more than just a setting? Yeah, definitely. Nature, me, is is more than just a setting. You know, it's been very influential in my own life. I, I grew up on the end of that dead end road and in the township of a village, and I spent a lot of time with my dog or my friends or brothers like out in the woods and on rivers. And, you know, I was just across the bay from from Door County, basically, not too far north of Marinette. I think what I was maybe most interested in about nature, and you bring up the line, nature can be a hell of a thing when it's hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, nature sort of is a great leveler. It can be a space of rest and beauty. And it can also be a space of a lot of fear. Right? Mm-hmm. But I, I found that getting out in the woods makes us feel small in good sort of ways. It helps us to to shed perhaps what we think we know of ourselves. And I'm just sort of speaking from, you know, my own experiences in the woods. You mm-hmm. know, I can remember like as a young boy, you know, like thinking I am brave. And then I'm walking down a path in the forest and the sun goes down and suddenly I'm I'm sprinting toward home, you know, mm-hmm, yeah. and it teaches me, actually, you're not very brave, you mm-hmm. know, so that that continues into adulthood, like we go out on some hiking adventure or a whitewater rafting adventure. I, I've been a, I was a river guide for, for 12 seasons, and I, I love whitewater rivers, but I, I, I'm really interested in what those spaces can teach us about, and mostly think it is a story about shedding. Every single character in this book sort of gets to the end of themselves and sheds 
sort of their their false impressions of themselves mm -hmm. and ultimately find something better you know find something more vulnerable more rich more capable more more brave and nature is the backstop nature is the mirror that enables that yeah that's um when i was reading through this it felt there was a lot of parts that felt very raw especially when they were you know, thrown out and, you know, figuring things out. And especially kind of like when the boys are first out there, it seems very fun in games at first until they kind of, you know, it, until it's not anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Until it's not anymore, you know, and, and a lot of the characters in this, I'm really interested in, in these, in ideas of, of like agency versus acquiescence. Like when, mm -hmm. when do I try to shape circumstances into the shape that I want them and when do I have to acquiesce to circumstances that are bigger than me, more powerful than me, and I cannot control? Like, how do I navigate that space? And, um, you know, every character in this in this book sheds something, but all of them are sort of coming up to the ends of themselves as as well, you know? And again, I'm, I'm pitching that. I believe that that is a healthy thing, you know? Yeah. I think these characters end up in a better space. I think they... Some of them find their tribe by the end, so to mm -hmm. speak, uh, or, or, or find a, an identity that, that suits them more thoroughly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I'm interested in, in the way that those characters, it was fun to watch them go off into the woods and struggle, real struggles, and, and, and come out in a better place mm -hmm. despite those, those hardships. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Yeah, and that really plays into kind of what I wanted to talk about next, which Raft of Stars kind of touches on some heavy topics and situations. And, you know, like we had mentioned, the the crux of the story is kind of centered around this these two boys that you know, have believed that they have committed this crime and are running from it. And we have this... One of the um, events for the Door County Reads program that's going to be coming up is a very, in, a very interesting one. And it's a panel discussion with uh, some people in the community that are involved with organizations that deal with like mental health. And it's a panel about trauma and resilience and then relating that as well to uh, your book. So I kind of wanted to talk about like how, you know, how do you go about writing and exploring kind of some of these topics, especially if you haven't necessarily um, had firsthand experience or anything like that, handling these topics in like a sensitive and meaningful way. And I especially really like that idea of like the resilience and, you know, how you were, were just talking about the kind of come out on the end changed. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's awesome. I and I I think it's it's so cool to see that panel discussion about trauma on the schedule. I was really happy and delighted to to see that. Mm -hmm. When it comes to, to to telling stories, I think authors are after accuracy. And I think they've been after accuracy for a long time, and I think 
our definition or approach or what we think is most accurate has also changed over time. And you can sort of track this through through literature. Mm-hmm. So in the broadest possible brushstrokes, I see like modernism in some ways as a reaction to what they saw as an oversimplified Victorian sunniness, right? Mm-hmm. Every story must end with a wedding and everyone is happy. And the modernist and then the postmodernist said, no, that's not true. We're going to end our stories with the divorce, mm-hmm. right? Because that seems more accurate to live life. And and I think that, that both sides of that sort of storytelling are good and are mm-hmm. really, really valid. Like, I think it's it's completely legitimate for storytelling to go to hard places. But I think it's also legitimate for storytelling to go and suggest brighter spaces. So I'm really, I love books that can, that can do both, that can go and look at something difficult, but that don't like also traumatize me while I read it, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I like I like books that take care of my heart by the story's end. I don't I don't just want to be devastated. I don't just want to be disillusioned. So while I while I look at life and while I was writing Raft of Stars, my basic premise was that trauma happens, mm-hmm. but so does healing, you know? And so if if I wanted to try to tell a story that felt authentic, I wanted to do both. I want I wanted to show both. And also, it just comes down to like a matter of taste. I don't think that Raft of Stars is a very dark book. It does look at some very hard things, but never in a in a really gratuitous way. Is a maybe that's the wrong word to use. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to write a, write the kind of book that I I like to read, and I, I I have come to appreciate books that that do both darkness and light, yeah. hardship but healing too. Yes, life is very difficult, but yes like hope and re- redemption and joy also are part of this experience. So that to me is my way of hopefully, hopefully being what I feel is, a, is a, telling an accurate story. Yeah. And I remember, you know, when we had first talked as well, you had talked about, you know, wanting to write books that are hopeful, yeah. you know, and that and explore that, you know, duality. You can't really have one without the other or out of, out of pain, you know, there, there is healing and, yeah. Throughout the book, one way that that I really saw that, you know, for me personally, kind of springing through and that hope and that, you know, kind of good feeling, I I really loved the friendship between the two boys, Bread and Fish. There were so many moments, you know, throughout that I had marked where it's just kind of this really... Uh, I don't know what the right how the right way to describe it is, but you know, the kind of this like innocent, almost oh, I don't you know I don't, ew, it's so hard to describe, but like there were moments where you know it was just like they hugged each other and you know it was something that they had like never done before, or you know yeah. making the other one laugh or smile um, is you know like really important and on the other's mind and you know, what happens to one, the other feels it as well, you know, and I have a very, very close friend. I've been best friends with the same person for 24 years now. We met each other when we were five on the first day of kindergarten. And Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we, you know, we're kind of stuck at the hip. So, you know, I, I really feel that and like thinking about that in relation to, you know, things that have happened throughout my life and the moments where things did seem tough, but there was always kind of that one person that was 
you know, there for me in a way that, you know, maybe my mother couldn't be or my brother or sister couldn't be. Mm. Yeah, that's just there for you. And I loved those moments between them and their friendship. And it was just so uh, pure and innocent and lovely to, yeah. you know, read and, you know. Thanks so much yeah. for saying that. I, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. They were, they were fun to write. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I thought back a lot to my own childhood, being, being 10. And I tried to remember as often as I could, like what that really felt like, you know? Mm. So there was an innocence there and they're also on the cusp of experience. So they're navigating this space, right? Like in that Mm. way, it's sort of this traditional coming of age. But I wanted to, I don't think innocence is sentimental. You know, there's there's something really good and pure Mm -hmm. and hard to write about innocence. And um, I just thought back and remember, you know, there's a line in there that I, I really was happy to come across and, you know, it was, it was Fish describing what it felt like to try to hold back tears, yeah. you know, in, in front of his grandfather or whoever else. And he, he said it's, it was, it was good not to cry in front of the other boys at school. And it was also awful <laughs> yeah. not to cry, you know, like to hold mm-hmm. that back. So yeah. it, it was fun to see those kind of moments emerge and those possibilities. And it was fun to see bread and fish, like, you know, worry about making the other laugh mm-hmm. or worried about, you know, sensing the other one is, is needing encouragement yeah. and also fighting, you know, yeah. like, like I, I've, I remembered that too, as, as a kid, there was a, this family of, of brothers who lived down at the end of our of our road and we would you know play together all summer and we were great friends but we also fought you know like mm-hmm. someone would get you know like pushed into a puddle or or whatever and they would cry and they would wrestle and then within you know 10 minutes it was over and we'd go ride bikes again yeah. you know like there was this really cool ability for kids to rally yeah. in ways that uh, that adults do, <laughs> just mm-hmm. don't, yeah. don't seem able to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they were fun to hang out with in the forest. Mm. So we are getting close to our time here, but uh, I just had a few more things. And then I also kind of wanted to end with a couple of just, you know, fun questions. But first, is there anything that you would want our listeners or your readers to know about your book or this program? Well, one, just my absolute gratitude. You know, I worked on a book for seven years and told that story, how how it didn't make it. I worked on Raft of Stars for another five And it was just a a long time dream to have a a hard cover out there. And the idea that it's happened and I can look at it and people are actually reading it and want to learn more about it just has not stopped being incredible to me. It's just, it's just absolutely wonderful. And the other, you know, the most basic thing about Raft of Stars, I think, is that it is my love story to the Northwoods of Wisconsin. So for anyone interested in that region or with roots or affection for that that region, I'd, I would like them to know that it is absolutely my my very long love letter to the space and my people and my forests. <laughs> very cool. All right. We're going to kind of end on just a couple little rapid fire fun questions. Are you currently reading anything or what is one book that you would recommend that everybody read? Right on. Well, I'm currently teaching a class on wilderness writers, stories of survival and exploration. And this week, this is sitting right in front of me and it's, it's, uh, I'm glad it is, but it's a great one. I'm reading My Side of the Mountain. Oh my gosh. And uh, wow. yeah, right? Yeah. Well, that's that's a heavy, like, wow. Throwback. Yeah. It's wonderful. And um 
So we start the class with two young adult novels and then we move into adult fiction and some nonfiction. So we're beginning with my side of the mountain and watching Sam, you know, struggle his way through the woods. And then next week we're, we're starting in on, on Hatchet. That's another yeah. wonderful, wonderful classic. Mm-hmm. So those are two that I, I love and I truly do. I mean, there, there's a reason they're, they're on my syllabus and, and on my desk. Yeah. Are you a hardback or paperback reader? Oh, <laughs> paperback. They're, they're, they're more affordable. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I also do love a, a floppy paperback and, you know, yeah. ability to... And you know, go ahead. Yeah. I was just saying, that, like, the ability to, you know, kind of bend and move a little bit easier. Yeah, for sure. And I don't feel so guilty about just, like, jamming it into my backpack if I'm mm-hmm. traveling or something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> are you a uh, mostly fiction or nonfiction reader? Oh my goodness, these are actually really hard questions. <laughs> They're supposed to be rapid fire, aren't they? Um, both, yeah. absolutely both. Yeah, yeah. I I love reading nonfiction. However, I will say it's typically like personal essays. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still very narrative. So I will say narrative, like something with a plot and characters. But whether it be you know fiction or nonfiction, I'm happy in either one. I love writers like uh, like like John McPhee, you know, who take their reader uh, in, into well-researched nonfiction, but they do it by telling a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like. Oh, ooh, what's his name? I'm f- forgetting it off the top of my head. He wrote "Devil in the White City." Eric Larson. Mm, I, I haven't read it. Devil in the White it. City. He's got a couple other books out as well, but that one in particular was about the uh, World's Fair in Chicago. Okay. And he alternates kind of chapters. So he's talking about the building, you know, of the World's Fair and all this kind of progress and, you know, kind of celebratory stuff that was going on. But at the same time, there was the uh, infamous serial killer, H.H. Holmes, who was kind of hanging out in the city at the same time and sort of benefiting from this influx of people that were coming in. So it's like a very interesting like balance of, you know, this kind of dark seedy underground thing that's happening while, you know, all this innovation and stuff is happening and it's, you know, all, all true stuff, but he tells it in a really fascinating way. And I really like his writing and he's done, Mm. he's done a couple of other things, but his name is completely escaping my mind. (laughs) I haven't a had devil enough. In a, you said devil in the white city? Devil in the white city. Yep. Yeah. Sounds interesting for sure. All right. So just a couple of reminders before we kind of head out. The Door County Library is partnering with a lot of different groups, organizations, businesses to host a lot of different programs throughout the next few weeks. There's going to be a lot of different book discussion groups that will be talking about Raft of Stars. They have a couple of movie screenings coming up. I uh, mentioned that panel on trauma and resilience. There are also a number of theaters that are doing play readings that kind of also coincide with the themes and feel of this book, which will all be really great to check out. But we will be joined. Andrew, you're going to be coming to Door County, correct? Or is this virtual? Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Can't wait. Yeah. For the keynote address is going to be at the Sturgeon Bay High School Auditorium on February 4th at 1 p.m., and you'll be joined in conversation with Rebecca Meacham. Yes. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be, be great. Dis- 
Super fun. Yep. And if audience members can submit questions ahead of time, if you go to the library's website, they have a full page all about Dorakani Reads and you know where to um, submit questions and everything. So make sure to check all of that out and you know join in the fun. It's a great way to connect with other lovers of literature and readers in the community, and especially as we are right smack dab in the middle of winter in the Midwest, and there's not much to do, and the weather is gray, so... It's a great way to just kind of get out and do something fun. Yeah, yeah, let's read books. Thank you, Grace, so much. And thanks to everyone who's who's taking part in this or will take part in this. I can't wait to get back up to Door County and uh, see you all in person. I can't wait to be there. Nice. Yes, we are very excited. I am excited. It's on my calendar. Yeah, and thank you again for joining us. And thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.